Think about all the offices that have had new patients come, they had the money, they had the financing, but they didn't accept treatment for whatever reason. Your guys' new CRM that you're releasing for dental. CRM that's made for dental only, that is also integrating with a PMS. And basically just for the audience, everybody in the business world uses CRMs. If you have such things as a CRM, you'll be able to do way more kind of not just like Google ads or like calls and stuff, but you'll also be able to do things like marketing automation. Let's chat about ChatGPT Enterprise. ChatGPT right now, like most people think of it as a personal use case product. That's huge because you're going to be able to get answers so quickly and you're going to be able to optimize for everything inside your business. So this is going to make marketing's job way easier. This is going to make the sales job way easier. When ChatGPT actually has context, it changes everything. Welcome back to another episode of Dental Rift. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can grow the way that you want. I'm also your host, Tanner Applegate. I am the CEO and founder of Unify, and we are a technology solution for dental that is helping solve, bridge the gap between all of your different solutions that you use in your office. All right. So let's, we have a lot of cool topics today, actually. Um, First of all, ChatGPT Enterprise, which I don't know anything about. So I'm excited to learn about that. Also, there's been some positive things happening in the uh, IPO uh, world that looks like a good sign for a positive outlook on the economy. And so we'll talk about that. And then also you and I, we'll start here, Tanner. We just saw each other at our most recent event, the Full Arch Advantage event, where we talked about how to create, convert, and close more Full Arch cases. And you actually were speaking there. And uh, I was in San Diego. And then we had a hurricane. <laughs> so let's let's start there. Um, the hurricane was definitely on everyone's mind throughout the event. I felt bad for you, the speakers in general, because I know everyone was checking their phone every two seconds, hoping to get out of San Diego and not get stuck there with the hurricane. But all in yeah. all, I think it ended up okay for everyone, right? It did. Yeah. Everybody made it home eventually. And the hurricane was just rain, um, basically. So I had people messaging me, are you safe? And it's like, yeah, of course we're safe. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't, um, that, that is not expected when you plan an event in San Diego. The one thing you're counting on is like good weather, right? It's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. And then they were like, literally two days before they're like, there's a hurricane coming. I thought it was a joke when people were telling me about it. I thought they were messing with me because there's, there hasn't been one there in 150 years, but the event seemed to go well. Um, I felt bad because I put you last. Normally it's like good, like, Hey, you can help me close the event. So that's usually like a good thing that someone does for you. But then I felt bad. I was like stink because a lot of people had to leave early to to catch their flights. Yeah, for sure. And there is, and, and, and I think ending on a panel is always a hard thing too, just because you can't really control a lot of where panels go with information. I think we did a good job of it in general, did. but um, I could see a lot of glazed eyes. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show, but I got a question that came from one of our viewers and I wanted to share it with you really quickly. And this is our segment of Ask Gary. So you can send in any of your questions about dental marketing or anything that you're doing to grow your office and we'll do our best to answer your question. You can leave a comment, you can DM us, or you can email us at askgary at smcnational.com. So today's question came from Becky and what she asked was, what do you 
prescribe as a comprehensive marketing strategy to grow your practice. And there's really two sides of this. So you have your internal new patients. These are your patient referrals or doctor referrals. And you have your external new patients, which are going to be new patients that are coming from things like marketing and location and and insurances and things like that. And so it's really important before you even talk about a comprehensive marketing strategy that you actually have a target of where you want to get to. So how many new patients do you want to get to? And then you need to delineate where each section is going to come from. Meaning if you want 100 new patients a month, how many patient referrals are you going to get a month and how many are going to come from external marketing sources? The reason this is so important is patient referrals are the best kind of new patients, but they're the hardest to scale. And external patients are some of the worst patients you can get. They're very hard to work with and they are the hardest to close. But it's the only way that you can really scale. And the goal is is to turn those external uh, new patients that are coming from marketing into patient referrals internally. To do that, you have to first have a goal and you have to have a target. From there, then you can start conversating around, okay, how to get these new patients into your office. As an example, you can first start with digital marketing. I like digital marketing because you can track everything and you need to figure out what your cost per lead, what your cost per acquisition is to get a new patient in from digital then you can start testing other forms of marketing to see how it stacks up. Typically, digital is going to be the cheapest, so I like starting there. And then you can work in other things. You can work in postcards or or television, depending on how many locations you have, and other things that are out there. So that's the short answer. Uh, there's a much longer question or answer to that. And so I just wanted to give you the short answer for the sake of time. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. Oh, well, and again, I think a lot of people left. So a couple of things that I learned from it. Number one, uh, the you, uh, yeah, don't close on a panel. But number two is what time you close. So I, I'm I'm now a second day. I'm closing around three, not around five. That's and funny. I think that I think people are just tapped out mentally, no matter who they are, uh, around day two, uh, around hour five. So um, that's something that we're definitely changing. And then, um, yeah, I'm going to put you earlier this time, uh, the next time. So that that's for sure. That's. Can we talk about, I don't know when you're, when you're going to talk about it or if you're going to talk about it, maybe we can cut this out if you're not ready to talk about it. But I think the most exciting event was the little teaser of your guys's new CRM that you're releasing for dental. Are you guys, where are you at with that? Is this something that you yeah, chat so, about publicly? I know that you're going to internally roll it out to SMC clients only first, but yeah, we chat through that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So it is, it is with our, it's a CRM. So it's the first dental. CRM that's made for dental only that is also integrating with a PMS. And basically just for the audience, everybody in the business world uses CRM. So I have a CRM, Tanner uses a CRM, everybody uses a CRM. For whatever reason, dental hasn't adopted that yet. Um, and there's starting to be people who are using CRMs in the full arch world, and but they're not integrated with the PMS. They're not made for dental. They're more made for like SaaS companies and stuff like that. And so we put, we built something that will, we're going to use for all of our clients first. So that's rolling out this month or by the time you listen to this September, and we're going to work through everything with our clients, get the feedback from them. And then we're going to start rolling in, uh, standalone clients, meaning that they're not marketing with us. So this will be a product that someone can buy. They can plug it in and they'll be able to see all of their marketing activities see where people are falling off in the patient journey. Um, just basically think of it this way. Right now, 
if I said, hey, show me your patient journey with like real life, like what's happening where, with patients and where people are falling off in the, in the patient journey, there's, there's nothing like that out there. You can't visualize where things are breaking in the process. And that's what a CRM does. It allows you to see what um, is going on with um, new patients and where they're falling apart in the patient, ju- patient journey. So yeah, I wanted to emphasize that. I think that as, when I was first starting in the DSO space, obviously I hadn't had experience with a CRM because I never needed one. And so I guess the question that I wanted to pose to you, which you kind of just answered, but I'll give you a chance to answer it a lot more succinctly is like, Gary, I've got a PMS. Why do I need a CRM? Right, I'm getting all Great. of my marketing analytics from my my marketing company, but why do I need a CRM? Great, Great question. So a practice management software is for bottom of funnel. So you, when a patient sits in your chair, you have all that information on them. But what you don't have is where did that person actually come from and what hoops did they have to jump through to get there? So if I said, hey, show me from, show me over the last 90 days, how many people called your office and you answered and you didn't schedule them or show me all the people who scheduled and then no showed or show me all the people that, uh, uh, showed but didn't accept treatment for just those reports that I just said you have to go into your PMS and you have to do all kinds of backflips to try to get that information and and then once you get it it's on a spreadsheet which is really hard to do s- stuff with right like you have to really finesse it and work through it so most of this information is living in people's in- inboxes it's on answering machines and there's a lot of people who are contacting your office through forms online schedulers phones that never make it in your PMS. They don't ever get there. And those people are invisible to almost every dental practice or they're scattered amongst a bunch of different softwares. They're, they're in your forms, they're in your online schedule, they're in your uh, patient prism app, they're in your marketing dashboard, they're all over the place. So a CRM brings the whole funnel together. So now you'll have your bottom of funnel, which is your, which is your clinical tool and your in-office tool to be able to do treatment. And then the CRM is sits on top of that, and it shows you for your front desk and all you know all of those kind of marketing positions. It shows you where things are breaking or where things are working well for your office, and then that helps you ultimately get more new patients, more um, and in the more of the kind of patients that you want to get. Yeah, I think that as I've gone and learned a lot more about kind of the sales process of it, I would just kind of summarize it and say. A CRM is really to optimize your marketing efforts within your dental group, which a lot of people aren't doing, right? And so if you have such things as a CRM, you'll be able to do way more kind of not just like Google ads or like calls and stuff. You'll also be able to do things like like put out these uh, interest campaigns that a lot of other companies do, right? Like, hey, here's everything you need to know about your why you should have a dental implant. Put your email in here, right? Well, if you put an email in there, now, all of a sudden, you'll be able to engage them in a CRM with a bunch of follow-up uh, emails, et cetera. And that's what happens in the sales world is it's not just right now. I think dental optimizes for the bottom of funnel, but a CRM will allow you to be able to move up and do kind of middle of funnel and even top of the funnel education that you can't do right now without it. 100%. Yep. And so that's, so, that's exciting. exciting. Really so we're, that. that will be like marketing automations will be phase two. So phase one is getting it up and working and, and laying out the whole patient journey. That's phase one, like actually doing that. No one's done that yet. And so phase two is then the marketing automation. So marketing automations are if someone calls your office 
and you don't schedule them for whatever reason, you have some kind of follow-up system still to stay in front of them. Or if somebody schedules at your office and then no-shows, for whatever reason, you can choose to stay in front of them. Or if someone shows and doesn't accept treatment, think about all the offices that have had new patients come, they had the money, they had the financing, but they didn't accept treatment for whatever reason. Think about all those people. Like If I said, go reach all those people, it's really hard to pull that report and then get back in front of them consistently over and over and over again. And so that's the next phase. That's the next leg is, uh, is the CRM. So that's, a, that's a exciting, uh, an exciting uh, part of the process for sure. All right. Well, let's chat about ChatGPT Enterprise. So this is something that they just dropped yesterday. It's the newest kind of addition to OpenAI. If you think about ChatGPT right now, use, like most people think of it as a personal use case product, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do it in my own workflow. Maybe it's for business, maybe it's for personal, but it hasn't really been something that's been a good tool across an entire company because data has been siloed by itself. And then it's also been you're training public data on it. So with ChatGPT Enterprise, what they're doing is they are now making it SOC 2 compliant, which means all of your data is 100% encrypted and stored where they are not training models off of it anymore. Okay, so this is that first model of that. And then they're also creating a structure for you to, to do um, prompt libraries across your organization, right? So you've got Jane Doe in the front desk that's not very savvy at ChatGPT. Instead of her having to creatively come up with how she's going to prompt ChatGPT, she can go into a predefined library that your organization uses and to be able to pull it in and then use it for her specific use case at that point. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> that's huge. Because you're going to be able to get answers so quickly and you're going to be able to optimize for everything inside your business. So this is going to make marketing job way easier. This is going to make the sales job way easier. Uh, in the dental office, you're talking about the front desk, the treatment coordinators, uh, the hygienist. It's going to have all of your scripting and rebuttals and all of those things in there. And then it's also going to be able to help you the next level of this. So once you get it in and you start putting all the information in, when ChatGPT actually has context, it changes everything. So if they have access to what's going on inside of your company financially and they'll like the kinds of new patients you're getting and all those kind of things, it will be able to give you answers that you wouldn't be able to see from the data that you have there. And so this is really just t- totally next level. It's it's this is going to revolutionize this is why we said initially, Tanner, like AI is bigger than internet. Like the internet came out and it was like, oh, cool, this is going to change things. And it did. This is going to be bigger than that because it's going to give you answers and insights that you and I or any human wouldn't be able to pull from the data because it's too vast. And it's creating consistency too, which is incredible. I think that right now where it's at in the development is if you are an enterprise and I think enterprise is like obviously targeting huge companies like Fortune 500 companies, um, but they do say that they have plans on releasing a self-serve business one later this year. Okay, so starting with enterprise, I think that probably in a dental DSO world, we wouldn't qualify for enterprise, maybe the largest DSOs would. But I, I would say keep your eyes open and we'll let you guys know when it launches the uh, business self-serve version because that's really where I think that we're all going to want to be able to sign up for and keep things organized within our organization. Yeah, totally agree. That's awesome. That's really, really exciting. We'll definitely keep an eye on that and keep everybody updated. 
Okay, let's talk about, you said something really interesting that I didn't, I didn't see and I didn't think about. You said there's some IPOs coming out right now. And I was like, okay, Tanner, why should I care about these IPOs? Uh, what does that have to do with us? And you said it, it's a good sign. So can you walk us through that? So to dumb it, I mean, to, to take us back to the basics, right? IPO, initial public offering. This is when a company that has been private decides, okay, in order for a multitude of reasons why people want to go public, they take their company and say, we're going to list it on one of these stock exchanges and make it so anyone can publicly buy portions of our stuff, right? And so uh, early 2020, 2019, you were seeing tons of companies go public. And then since 2021, though, so last year and a half, there's not been one company that has gone public. Obviously, that's an indicator of the unknown, what's happening within our industry and within our economy. And so recently, though, in the last couple of weeks, Instacart and Clavio. So Instacart, obviously, we all know that delivery of um, uh, groceries locally. And then Clavio is one that I hadn't ever heard of. I had to look it up, but it's a uh, marketing and SMS automation platform. You guys ever use that? Mm, no. I heard of it. No. Anyways, these are both um, filed to go public this year. A couple things that are interesting about it, though. First is that both of these companies are profitable. They're VC-backed profitable companies, which never happens. It has not happened for a very long time in an IPO. Right up until recently, every IPO has been we are losing money in order to be able to grow our company. I think of Uber, these other kind of larger companies. And so Instacart and Clavio both have been profitable. So this is an indicator of the shift in what type of uh, what's going to take to be a successful company. What's interesting, though, too, is that Instacart, which I dug into a little bit more, they raised privately through PE at something like a 300 a billion dollar valuation, but now they're going public at a $13 billion valuation, right? So they had some, they raised a bunch of money on a crazy, ridiculous valuation, which they're now completely cutting to fractions of that. Okay. So there's a few indicators. The fact that they are willing to go public is a great indicator that there's some stability in the market. So I think that's a positive thing to look at. But the second part is that they're doing it at a fraction of the valuation which they'd raised even just a year or so ago. Um, I know that this is something that you hadn't previously looked into, but as you're sitting there hearing about it, what's your reaction to it? No, it's interesting because to your point, if I was, if I thought the economy was going to go south, I probably wouldn't go public right now because it's going to just wreck your talk, your stocks uh, uh, price, right? So if you're like, okay, we're going to IPO at this price and the economy goes down, no fault of your own and your price falls, that can totally mess up everything for what you're trying to do. So what a lot of people will do is sit on the sidelines. So for these big, have you ever used Instacart? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Instacart's Quite like- a bit in New York. Yeah. And Instacart's amazing because now, and you can do this on Uber too, you can order anything from anywhere. So you can say, uh, this happened to me. I was in uh, Colorado and I needed a, a cord, a power cord, a very specialized power cord. And I- I didn't want to like get in an Uber drive all the way across town. It was a long ways away. So, and I had to be in a meeting here shortly. So I used Instacart. It wasn't Instacart, it was Uber, but it was a similar concept where you can just get one product and someone will go pick it up and drop it off to you wherever you're at. And I think that's pretty much the future of what we're dealing with, where you can actually get this kind of, you know, delivery or service for anything, not just for food, but for anything that you want. 
And what I think the next level of this is going to be, and people are starting to use it this way, is you go into ChatGPT and you say, hey, we're having a dinner for 10 people at my house. Crank out a menu for me. And, you know, ChatGPT cranks out a menu. And then you say, okay, cool, I want this ordered. And it integrates with uh, Instacart. And someone goes and picks up all the food for the menu that it just made you and they drop it off. And you still have to cook it, of course. But that saves so much time. And For now, yeah. Uh, but that saves so much time and energy. So these these kinds of niche service companies, I think, are going to just be huge. Uh, it's just they're just going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I, I I think this is really cool. But I do love your take on how it's going to impact the economy. Uh, this year has been so weird with the economy because of you know we thought it was going to be a bad first half of the year. It actually wasn't. From from you know especially in the dental world, it was actually decent. Um, and now people are like, okay, well, is it coming now? So people are still waiting for that, that cliff to fall. Yeah. Somebody, I, I think it was Ray Dalio said recently, he's like, if we are to have the same recession, this is going to be the most anticipated recession of all time. Right. So he was kind of mocking the fact that we're all anticipating it. And he's like, I don't think it's going to happen because everyone's anticipating it. Yes. Yeah. And he's, he's gloom and doom. He's been predicting the end yeah. of, uh, currencies and the end of, uh, america for for since i can remember um so for him to say that is very interesting yeah i think every time there's been like big recessions it's usually been when no one expected them or very few people expected them yes it's a turn it's an instant turn of events that kind of happen yep awesome man well good stuff i'll talk to you later all right peace